Yes, we are back with another Instagram Live, or you might be finding us on the YouTube, but another episode of Ask Somebody Else. We are getting to the point where I've lost count of which episode we're on, but that doesn't mean today isn't going to be another amazing episode. Each and every week we get a special guest, and this week you're in for a real, real treat. The industry guest is none other than Mr. Saj Hussein, legend, legend, long-time legend in this property game here, long before me. I've uh, been doing it, you know, I think 15 years now into his journey. So we're going to be speaking to him. So if you think there's any of your friends that could potentially get value from today's session, make sure you add them in. I'm just going to try and add him now. Um, in the meantime, general, general advice. If you do have a question, make sure you use the comment box so everybody else can see your questions, everybody else can get value. How you doing? You Okay. I'm very good, thank you. I'm out at the moment, as you can see, but hopefully you can see and hear me okay. I've yeah, just yeah. got the camera, uh, the phone propped up against a fence. So. Okay, no, no, you're good. We like the outside ambience. We like to see that you're embracing the British summertime. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. It, 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 how's your weekend been? It's good, it's good. Um, I, I, I tend to be uh, one of these people that works every day and I just take breaks whenever, rather yeah. than every day is the same for me. It's just that other people around me want to do other things. So the family want to do stuff on Sunday. Yeah, do you know what? That's it. I think <laughs> definitely mid-pandemic was, I think, a time where everybody sort of lost track of days and got used to the weekend and the weekend being very interchangeable. Yes. I think the only thing that reminds me is trying to call suppliers and they're not open. That's what I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this but is true, yeah. That's but good. I'm still well, messaging staff on a Sunday. I just say to them, don't bother replying. Just yeah, no, I, I, you, I'm going to message you regardless because when yeah. I have something pop into my brain, it's like I've yeah. got to get it out or something else is going to come and replace it. So I message people at crazy times. I'm like, don't take it. <laughs> from you. I hope I haven't woke anybody up. I just need to get it out there. Yes. So that hopefully you can action it when you do go back to work. <laughs> That's good. That's good. So um, for those that aren't as familiar with you, can we get a little bit of background on, on what you do and who you are? Sure. So uh, my name is Sajid Hussain. I'm based in Birmingham. I've been involved in property, property just over 15 years now, coming on 16 years. Um, the first couple of years were quite challenging. I, I've always worked for myself and I I'd previously ran a business, an IT company. I did very well from that, made quite a lot of money from that. Um, thought I was invincible and very quickly was proven wrong when it all came tumbling down and uh, everything collapsed. And so I was trying to find something that I could start and build that was going to be beyond me um you know i'm i'm 53 now i'm not a, a spring chicken so it's a case of look you know this is my second career i need to get this right i can't make any mistakes uh, on this the, the challenge was uh, not having much money and so there was a bit of a conflict well if i try and look at property you need a lot of money for property but this was uh, just before the last uh, crash um so at that time there were people doing no money down stuff and fairly creative things like that so i started learning a little bit about property and um I didn't get a lot of success at the beginning. I did, I did struggle quite a bit. But what I was able to do was try lots of different strategies and pick up a lot of knowledge very quickly. I think that really helped a lot. So then over the years, we've done you know, so many different types of strategies. Uh, it started off just doing a sourcing deals for people, then single buy-to-lets, then some flips, some small HMOs, bigger HMOs, um, some commercial conversions, building houses, um, high-end HMOs tend to be a core part of our business and also kind of a, the high-end service accommodation. Everything we do tends to be around the West Midlands. Yeah, that's good. I think, yeah, for a lot of people, that will probably resonate really well with them because that is the main question yeah, that people get asked. 
is look, I want to get into property. I know it's something that I understand. I want ownership. I want something that can create that generational wealth. However, um, you know, how can I do that with little money to start with? And you touched on something there um, in regards to deal sourcing. It's something that I get asked about quite a lot. So can you just explain in a little bit of detail what, what deal sourcing is? Yeah, so what we mean by deal sourcing is finding a deal or what we call an opportunity, an opportunity to make money from property. That's what I call a deal. It means that someone can make some money from this. The amount of money will vary, but there is, there's some opportunity to make some money from it. That's kind of what defines a deal. And it's finding those deals and then either taking them on for ourselves or packaging up and offer it to somebody else. That's what we mean by deal sourcing. And in a way, it's a little bit like... Um, what an estate agent would do, i.e. they're selling property, but really as deal sources, if we're selling deals to other people, we're getting paid by the person buying the property rather than the person selling the property. Um, but the, the mechanics in the background, managing the deal and stuff are very similar to what an estate agent would do. Um, and so you, you've been in property for quite a while now. So what have you seen of some of the biggest changes in the property market um, since you've been there, in it for the last 15 years? I think probably the, the biggest change you see is strategies evolve uh, and what you do needs to evolve as well. Uh, it took me a little while to realize that that was the case. You can't just pick one thing and think, that's it, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. And mm -hmm. uh, because as the, as the market conditions change, you need to change, you need to adapt. Um, as the law changes in terms of how we, uh, you know, taxation, how we manage property, uh, tenants, um, uh, you know, tenant uh, fees being banned, you know, in our agencies... There's always changes going on. You just got to be ready to embrace change and you've got to be ready to ready to adapt. So uh, there's always flavors, uh, things that are people keen on right now. So at the moment, uh, you know, rent rent's always been really keen, service accommodation, HMOs is probably starting to kind of become a little bit the tail end of a, uh, the, the, the hot topic, um, commercial to uh, residential conversion, particularly under the PD stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of the changes around evolving as the market evolves we've got to evolve as well so those that evolve and there's lots of people i met earlier on in my property journey who are still doing a lot of property right now uh, but there's many many people i met along the way who kind of dipped their toes in for a year or two and then went off to do something else and uh, just didn't really make it work and there's also people that actually came in to say look you know what i'm just gonna build enough income so i can go off and do something else in my life because i'm just not you know i'm not passionate about property yeah, i just have the income from it they build up four or five properties, they get a certain level of income, and that's it, they're gone. Uh, one of uh, the, the, the guys I uh, saw some properties for in the early years, he just travels around the world. He'll message me from all different countries around the world, and, and as long as his rent's coming in, he's happy. It's, it's funny you say that, because literally just before we came on the live, I posted something that was basically just saying, get a property for every bill or every expense. So you yeah. want a mortgage, have a property that's going to cash flow you that. New car, get this holiday package. Yes. And you can very much, depending on where you want to get to in property, mm. if you're saying, look, you know what, this is my number a month, you could work out a strategy that would allow you to say, look, this is the money I want on a monthly yeah. basis. Property is going to allow me to have that. You know, I can also benefit from the capital appreciation in the long term. But in the short term, it means in terms of standard of living, you know, if you're not trying to go all in on property, it's very, you know, achievable to do that. Yeah. And, and there's no cap. There's no ceiling in terms of what you can achieve. If you're very ambitious, you want to do big things. Huge things are possible. You know, if you want to build a tower, name it after yourself, Trump Tower, yeah. whatever it is, it's all out there. It can be done. And if you just want, you know, a couple of properties just so that you have an easy life and you just do what you want and, you know, live a modest life, that's possible as well. 
So that's interesting. So in terms of for you now, that's been in it for a while, you've kind of seen the changes in legislation, changes in markets, you've been through one heading into potentially another recession. Um, where do you see yourself pivoting towards over the next sort of one to three years in property? Where's your focus going to be? I think uh, we want to be doing uh, more building a property but right now we're just at that point where we don't want to take on lots of new build projects because sometimes mm. they'll take a year year and a half by the time you finish and come out the other end and the markets you know that period where you think actually we're not entering into a great time uh, mm. in the economy as mentioned the recession pretty much imminent will happen um, and how is that going to impact things and uh, so i think that's something we definitely want to be doing in the long term i.e more more building um, mm. because you can create the um uh you, you can create the profit because you're building it rather than trying to buy the profit in at a discount as it were and uh, or, or through refurbs so that that's a core part of um what we'd want to do and then i'm always interested in using strategies for the for the right time so um there's one stage in my uh, property career if you like we were doing lots of lease options uh, uh those we haven't done for probably seven eight years or so if not a bit longer um, but I think we're now coming into a period again where they'll yeah. be rife again. They'll be um, perfect. I think quite a lot, a lot of people are saying this. Um, I think maybe not yet, but I think maybe sort of this time next year, I think we will yeah. be in a position where lease options will be more viable. Um, and for those, again, we want to give as much information as possible. So can you just explain briefly what a lease option is um, for those that are not familiar? Yeah, so a lease option, uh, the, the options fall into this uh, wider umbrella. There's a lot of things that fall into that category. But when we're talking about a lease option, essentially we're talking about taking control of a property, not the ownership, uh, and then with the view of acquiring it at some point later on. But even then, we're not obligated to buy it, but the seller is committed to, to sell. So uh, that puts us in a very advantageous position in terms of a deal. And particularly if you're starting out with not much money, you can control a lot of property. But yeah. when we talk about control, you're picking up all the liabilities. Yeah. That's why you're picking up so easy. You're picking up liabilities. So you've got to be able to do something with it to make some money from it. And the first question that normally goes into people's mind, well, why would somebody do that? Why would, uh, why would somebody give you a property on lease option? And there's so many reasons they would, but ultimately it's about motivation. For example, someone just got a new job, they, they need to move to uh, another country. Um, you know, they're, uh, they're, they're quite happy to just get away from the property, whether it's a tenant or whether someone purchases the property, they got a certain date they need to move by. They don't really want to reduce the price, for example. You know, that, that sort of a deal works really well uh, as a lease option. So it's about controlling property rather than just owning. At the beginning, when I started, my, my mindset was that we need a lot of cash to be able to buy property. But you don't have to buy property to make money from it. There's so many ways. Controlling uh, is, is a perfect example of that. Yeah, and I think like with, with the way the market potentially is moving, a lot of people, and I'm sure you, I think I've seen you speak about this, a lot of people ask the question, you know, trying to time the market. When can I predict the market? You know, things are going to come up and I want to buy when it's, you know, prices have fallen. But the reality is it's really hard to do that people have been saying that you know from the beginning of 2020 it's about to fall and on average prices have risen about 15 percent over that two-year yeah. period um if you couple that with the fact that inflation is at 10 percent, you know you could be 25 percent worse off from the cash that was sitting in your bank if you invested earlier um, when it comes to the leash options a lot of people that may be in a year's time when they're struggling to sell and they don't want to take that price reduction but do want that price if you're confident in where the market's going to be over the next 
five to seven years and you take a lease option for that time, you can agree a price at today's money, like you mentioned, take on the liability, potentially take on some cash flow, and then benefit from where you think the market's potentially going to be over a longer period of time. And I think, like you said, there are strategies. I, I very much am, we're going to get onto a few other things that, you know, it's, you know, we can't pretend it's not super easy to get into property with money, you know, without money, sorry, that, you know, is one of the larger barriers to entry. But that's not to say if you equip yourself with something in lieu of money, i.e. a good education, a good understanding, a good knowledge base, good contact base, you can potentially use those to leverage where you are to still buy or invest in or control property to benefit from. Yeah, it's all business skills. So, uh, you know, what we're talking about is what value you're going to bring to the table. So some of that needs to be either knowledge or skill if, you have, if you're not bringing the money. If someone's got, you know, a pile of cash they're sitting on, you know, they've already got, they're in a strong position. They don't have to worry about maybe knowing stuff as well as you do if you haven't got the money. So you've got to bring something to the table, negotiation skills, you know, understanding on how to do creative strategies, you know, whatever it might be, there's something that you have to, have to bring. And I just want to touch on one other thing you mentioned about timing the market. The reality is none of us can time the market. You know, we can use experience to say we think this might happen, but nobody knows what's going to happen. And the only time we'll ever know is when we look in the rearview mirror when it's already happened. We, we, that's the only time we're going to know what's uh, in terms of, you know, where the market's going to go this way or the, where it's going to go that way after the event, after it's happened. So the important thing is not to wait until a certain event happens and then to start. It's to actually look at what the opportunities might be right now and be prepared that if things change, that you can adapt and use alternative strategies as well. Yes, I think we've touched on it. We've circled around the market. I think I'd like to, you know, as much as we're saying we can't predict it, there's no liability disclaimer here, but where do you think the market's heading in, in regard? And I, I'll sort of preface that with, do you think there's going to be a reduction in property prices? And, you know, where do you think the market's sort of heading overall? Yeah, so uh, I think what will probably happen in the coming months is that we'll start seeing a little bit of a slowdown in the market. So I've been selling some properties recently in the last few months, and I've been keen to do deals like contract races, large cash deposits, because I want the commitment, because I'm concerned if I put something up for sale right now, I find a buyer, they start their process. It could be two, three months in. Let's say for whatever reason, it falls out of bed. I start again with somebody else. I could be six months in before a completion happens. There's a risk that that could happen. And if I'm doing that, there might be changes in the market condition that time. And then they might decide they don't want to buy because price is slowing down. Or, and so, so when I've been selling now, I've been selling in mind of, I think price is going to ease off. I don't think they're going to fall. I don't think we're in, 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 in for a crash, but we certainly are going to be in for a slowdown. That means that people are not going to be as active. Right now, it's about supply and demand. It's always about supply and demand. But the challenge at the moment is there's a lot of demand for property, but there's very little stock out there. And if people start thinking twice about committing to mortgages, about purchasing property, even buying investment property, then what will happen is there'll be less demand. As the demand starts to drop, we'll see the prices start to ease off a little bit. And I think we're already seeing that, particularly around the Midlands, we can very close on the market. And I, I speak to a lot of other people that are very active in the market, what they're seeing, what's happening. And I think properties aren't, the for sale signs going up and the sold sign isn't being slapped on straight away. Yeah. It's just taking that yeah. a little bit more time. I definitely think. I think I'm generally probably in a lot of agreement with you there. Um, I think in some areas, particularly with help to buy being removed for the, for the new builds, I think potentially you'll see you know, some of the top values that we were getting that are no longer achievable. 
And if people don't meet those deadlines of the help to buy when the scheme ends in February 2023, I think potentially you'll see prices that were actually overinflated drop a little yeah. bit. I think the other concern is although the property prices in actual terms won't fall, because inflation, if inflation doesn't drop over the next 12 months, in real terms, prices will fall slightly if inflation continues to yeah. rise in the same way. But I think I, I'm very much in agreement that I think because of the supply-demand element of the market that we are at an undersupply, we haven't met um, new build housing targets, we do have you know, loads of people that want to live in the UK and we're a small island with a finite amount of space, that mm. I think long-term you know, prices are still, they may stagnate for a little while, but they're going to bounce back quite quickly, even if we do go into, you know, into, go into a recession. Yeah, it's good to look at the other side of the argument as well, mm. in terms of, you know, could, could things go the other way? Well, you know, if we think about, uh, for example, one thing you mentioned, uh, you know, we live on an island. Yes, we live on an island, but the vast majority of the country, more than 90% of it is not built on. It's all just green land. And that's because there's strict controls in terms of what we can build and where we can build it. And that leads me to the, the main influencer in the market, and that's the government. Yeah. They really determine where the market goes. If they want to increase prices, they want to push up demand, they can do that very easily. They've got a number of different levers they will use. So, you know, what caused the current spike in house prices right now? Well, it was uh, low interest rates. It was uh, uh, stamp duty holidays, uh, you know, help to buy schemes, 95% mortgages. All of these things have fueled the property market. And all of these things are in some way controlled by the government. So they have a massive impact in where, uh, where the market goes. So although we can talk about what we think is going to happen, you know, a new leader could come and completely change. That's they it. could have a different vision of what they want to see happen. Exactly. I think, and that, that's the other thing. That's why when people say predict the market, every economic force could tell us that the market is going to go here. But because of change in government, change in leadership, you know, because people, you know, for whatever reason, you know, are working towards a certain element of the electorate, it could go in a completely another di different direction for a 12-month period. So I think that's why trying to predict the market when there are these massive variables that you have no control over are quite difficult. Um, how did you feel about the recent interest rate rises? I mean, a lot of people expected them as a landlord. Are you, are you upset? Are you happy? How do you feel about it overall? I think, I think no one's happy paying more on their mortgages. Yeah, so, um, yeah I mean, we've got some fixed and some variable mortgages uh, as well. We have some unencumbered property uh, as well. We try to balance what we're doing. And I work with a lot of investors as well, so I love investor cash in uh, uh, in property as well um so yeah an interest rate rise is is not good for us personally in terms of we're paying more new property we're buying will be paying more as well but at the same time i think it will ease the market and we do need an easing in the market for more opportunities to start appearing um otherwise uh, you know if it continues like this yes we can sell property very easily but it's hard then to keep buying stock as well at the other end yeah we, we need to be able to buy stock we need to be able to improve property put it back on the market buy land build and uh, so if the selling is okay, but we need to be able to do the buying. So I think there needs to be some slowdown in the market. And I think an interest rate increase like this will help. And some of it, I think, last, uh, last few months has been psychological as well from the Bank of England. Like a quarter percent change doesn't really impact anybody, but it signals this is where things are going. And when I started in property, when, uh, you know, a lot of the calculations we used to do when we used to look at deals was on mortgage rates of six, seven and eight percent. That's what we used to just assume that those were the rates yeah. are going to be. And 6% we used as a standard figure for a very long time. And so now, you know, when I'm doing buy-to-let mortgage <laughs> application, they're coming in at 4.2. You can see them edging back towards, you know, 6 will probably become the norm again. And for some people, 
um, maybe some people here in their twenties, they've never known anything other than the current yeah. interest rates. But you know, when I when I left university and at that time we were looking at property, just it was an idea, nothing ever happened. They were like the interest rates are crazy, high double digits at that time. Yeah, no, I think that's it. I think that it's always it always things do go in cycles. And the thing you touched on at the beginning, it's not about saying, okay, there's a change in the market, I can't operate anymore. There's a change in the market. How do I adapt to it? How can Absolutely. I use potential threats and turn them into opportunities? How can, if, you know, there's a lot of empty properties because people can't sell them, maybe that's a great opportunity to get into rent to rent because people want, you know, want just long-term, no voids, et cetera. I think it's about being flexible in your approach. I've got, there's uh, always opportunities. There's always opportunities in every market. They're just different. And if everybody's going in one direction, uh, it is going to be more difficult to do that. So you've got to take a step back and say, okay, where is some of the other low-hanging fruit that maybe think of people are missing? Exactly. Okay, so on a, on a slightly different angle now, a lot of people are looking to get into property, a lot of people are looking to work with, network, and I know you're you know, into networking a lot. I believe you run the largest property networking meet outside of London. Is that right? Mm, yes. And go and give yourself a plug. What's that called? <laughs> so it, it's Sajid Sain's property meet. Uh, so I've been running networking events for about 10 years. Uh, Ranjan currently holds the number one slot with the largest property meet. Um, so, but it's not about being the largest meet. Really what I've tried to do is always encourage people to, to come meet other people, network. You know, you, you, you find potential partners. You find people that might have deals. It's not the first person you're going to meet. You're necessarily going to do business with them. But, you know, I, I like the phrase, the more hands you shake, the more money you make. It's about building that contact. And if I look through my phone now, some of the people I, I know and I've met over the years, and, and I, I amaze myself, how did I end up meeting people like that or doing business with somebody like that? And most of the time, it came from some kind of networking conversation. Met somebody somewhere or somebody introduced me to somebody else or opened a door for me and said, hey, you know, here's an introduction for you. Um, so I'm a really big fan of, uh, of networking. And networking is... is is going out and talking to people. That's what we do on Instagram, on Facebook. And, uh, you know, it's the same thing, but do it in person rather than just doing it in a virtual world. Nice. That's good to hear. Um, so obviously, if, you're, if, you, if you are based, you're Birmingham, right? So if you're based in yes. Birmingham, et cetera, I definitely advise getting yourself down, check out a networking event, meet some people um, and see, you know, where that can potentially lead. So I've had a look at, I was looking recently, and I always like to try and find some controversial stuff in people's um, people's (laughs) posts. So um, you had a post a little while ago, not what I say a little while ago, I had to scroll a little bit, a little bit down, but it was about um, people's opinions on fake property gurus or just gurus in general. Do you think, how do you see the education space as a whole in regards to property? Okay. So, um, I think there's definitely a place for it, but I think there's too many people that operate in the sector that don't really care about what they're doing to helping somebody. Uh, it's really about what money they can make. And, you know, I, I, I've been to lots of training and uh, programs, I've lots of mentors over the years uh, as well. And, you know, and, I, and I taught in one of the, uh, and I was involved in one of the, uh, the main training companies for about nine years before I kind of went off and did, did my own thing and started running my own uh, programs. But I think the the thing is there's good and bad people in the industry, as there's with many industries. The yeah. challenge we have, because there's a potential to make a lot of money, attracts a lot of sharks as well. And people think it's it's easy money. I think if you you know, if you're looking to learn from somebody, 
look at what is it you're trying to learn. There's just so much free stuff out there right now. You know, what you're doing, sharing knowledge, connecting with other people, you know, stuff on YouTube, you know, just like the, a huge amount of stuff. I, I put my own YouTube channel and often he'll get messages like, you know, I've learned more from a video about what to yours for free than we paid for on a course. That's because, you know, we don't hold back. We just give and share. And that's the mentality within property. So you can learn a lot of stuff for free. Then when you really want the nuts and bolts and you want the support, then find the best person you possibly can who's doing that thing and get their support. And I think that's that's the important thing for me. And that's the way I tend to uh, approach it. And I think, yes, there are too many people that have been doing it for five minutes and now they're a, a property expert and, and, you know, teaching others. And you know, fair play to me if that's, that's what they're doing. I just say um, to the buyers, you know, just beware and do your own due diligence on who, who you're looking to work with and learn with. And I've got my fingers burnt a number of times, more than once. So I yeah. can't say, you know, I learned, my, learned from the first time I got my fingers burnt. I think definitely, definitely buyer beware is, is an important saying. I say that because, yes, there are, I'm completely in agreement with you that there are people out there that are teaching things they haven't done themselves or teaching things they've done once and don't really know the ins and outs or the intricacies of the details. However, there is a lot of responsibility on people looking for a get-rich-quick scheme and so just yeah. handing over to somebody saying, I'm going to make you, I'm going to make yeah. you. But the reality is, if it seems too good to be true, the majority of the times it probably is. So yeah, definitely I'd say do your own due diligence. There is a load of great educators out there in all different fields, you know, for those that I've seen what they've done and the people that I've yeah. helped, I always post and promote them. But at the same time, I definitely think it's really important to make sure you do your own due diligence. And some yeah, people, I'm... sorry, just a, some people, you need to understand the type of educator that you want or the type of mentor that you want. If you want yeah. someone that's going to give you that Wolf of Wall Street beat on your chest, tell you you can do it. That's, that's what some people need and that's what works for you. Like you said, some people want to know the nuts and bolts. They want an IKEA drawing of how do I get a rent-to-rent -rent deal across the line. You need to find someone who delivers that. So finding what works for you is just as important as somebody who's teaching the, the overall course. Yes. And, uh, you know, touched on this earlier uh, as well, that, you know, property is not easy. Mm -hmm. Property is hard work. Uh, you know, I, I don't need to do the, the effort and the hours I do. I do because, you know, I have big dreams and big plans and there's so much more I want to do. So I'm grafting every day and I'll continue to graft every day. I have no intention of stopping. But if you have that obsessive mindset or if you prepare to work hard, then you will. And, you know, as I said, I'm fortunate to meet lots of people and some of the most wealthiest and successfulest people, uh, successful people I've met in this industry, they work super hard still. They don't need to. Mm -hmm. You know, another 50, 100, hundreds, millions will not make any difference to their lifestyle but they still continue to work hard so i think if you have that mindset about look property the rewards are phenomenal as long as you're prepared to put the effort in that's kind of one thing i want to say the other thing is that you know if if people have the expectation that they're going to hand money to somebody and that person's going to make them rich they're going to press the magic button and they're going to be rich then you know really they only have themselves to blame when there's people quite happy will take their cash and they don't get anything to show for it and they're going to start blaming other people. Um, someone decided to do a bit of gardening. Hopefully it's not too noisy in the background. Um, so it's taking some responsibility yourself. As you said, you know, if you're, if you're walking around kind of desperately trying to find somebody who's going to make you rich, it's not going to happen. If you can, anybody's going to make themselves rich is the person you look at in the mirror every day in the morning. Exactly. The other things around you are tools to help you do it. Yeah, no, definitely. That's it. I mean, the thing is, and I use this example to a friend of mine that was talking you know, about it's all great to go and get a life coach or to have your friends and family motivating you, but your life is your own race. And it's only your, to your, your own two feet that are going to get you 
from A to B yes. that you across that finish line. Yes, you're going to have people cheering you on. Yes, you're going to have people that can help you prepare. But as soon as you get on that track, it's you that's got to run. It's you that's got to do all that hard work. Something like yes. this, you've got to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and say, what have I done today to make sure that today is better than yesterday? And what am I preparing to do to make sure that tomorrow is going to be better than today? And sometimes it's going to be rubbish and take some steps back, but you're just working towards making yes. sure that you're moving forward. So absolutely, something about, obviously you said, shout out Ranjan, you know, having the largest networking event. Um, being from an ethnic minority, how does it feel in terms of, do you feel the landscape of what a property investor looks like has changed over your 15 year um, term within the business? Uh, if I just tie that in with the, with the short story, when I was at a university, I did 12 months of work placement that was my first real experience of working in an office with other people. They were nice people. It was a nice environment, but straight away I realized I don't want this to be the rest of my life. Getting up every day, going somewhere, a kind of very monotonous lifestyle. The stuff they're talking about is what was on TV yesterday. You know, desperate to get for the weekend, for a party, saving up for a little holiday. And I thought, this is not what I want my life to be. So I made the decision I don't want to work with other people. And, you know, I, I've brought up in an era in the in the 80s where you know, we, we face racism every day bullying in school and that was just common every day we face that and i think in business you become control of your destiny so that was first thing and then property was actually one of those things it doesn't matter what your background is if you understand how to do it there's nobody can stop you people can make your life difficult but they can't stop you from succeeding yeah. and i and i and i think Generally, we find people that are uh, from an ethnic minority background anyway, they tend to have more of a, uh, I, I need to get on and, and kind of get by uh, mindset because, you know, the parents have probably, uh, you know, traveled halfway around the world, turned up with nothing and just tried to survive. So mm. there, there tends to be that ingrained in that I need to, I need to do better, I need to do more, I need to try and improve. And I think property, you know, there are no limitations in, in what you can do and, uh this is one of the few businesses you can do massively well. Nobody cares what your color is, what your gender is, how tall you are, how fat I am. None of it's relevant. That's good. That's good to hear. Another question. Um, I saw, is it last, you went on Hajj last year, right? Uh, I, I've been to Umrah a few times and uh, I went to Hajj in 2014. Okay, okay, okay. So there was another question I often get asked, obviously, as a Muslim. You said recently you did a post about, um, you know, Islamic um, lending and finance, etc. Can you can you shed some light on that in today's conversation? Yeah, I mean, I, I've got to be very transparent. First of all, you know, I have uh, uh, mortgages, I pay interest on products, but my ambition and interest is to to try and get away from that long term. And we have some of our business that's kind of completely free of interest. So that's between me and kind of my faith, and I'd like to be transparent about that. That's yeah, my ambition, yeah. what I try and do. Um, and but when people say to me frequently, and I speak to them, I say, look, you know, I, I want to do things in what you term as a halal way, which effectively meaning that I don't want to get involved in interest in any shape or form. You know, how can I do that? Well, really, I said there's three ways to do that. One is that you need somebody else's money to do it because you need money to buy property. So it needs to come from somewhere. So you need to need a partner or someone who's going to fund the deal. And yes, there are people out there that, you know, will invest with you without getting involved in any, any other borrowing, any other debt, so you can share that profit. And the secondly, what you can do is you can control property, like we were talking about earlier on. 
it could be sourcing property, it could be rent for rent, it could be lease options. All of these are controlling property so you can benefit from what you can do with it. It could be land that you've got control of and you get planning permission on it, for example. And the third way is some of the uh, Islamic financing products uh, that are available. But, you know, people have different views on those. And I say, look, if you're happy with those, use them. They're not the cheapest products, but they're not supposed to be the cheapest. Um, and uh, if you don't want to, don't. There's other ways to do it. So if you're determined to, it, it, you know, it absolutely it, it can be done. And I'll be working on very recently, uh, well, I've been working for quite some time to try and create an investment product that's FCA regulated, that would be Sharia compliant for mm. property investing, uh, for investors to invest small amounts in a kind of crowdfunding model. Um, so that's something I'm, I'm very keen to do because it means that people can get involved without having large amounts of money. And the returns are more modest. We're not talking about crazy returns, but it means actually you get to own a piece of property like, like you would in a crowdfunding model. I think, I think crowdfunding potentially, from as property prices increase and for generations, ownership gets harder and harder. Mm. I think crowdfunding the same way that you're not expected to go out and buy a stock in like an individual stock in Amazon or individual share, sorry, in Amazon as these prices have got high, but you can use platforms like Trading212 to buy a percentage. Yes percentage of a stock i think if that could take place in property again you mentioned sca regulation yes. which is like trying to jump through 17 different hoops <laughs> fire while they're all moving while you're falling out of a plane but if you yes. can <laughs> um then yeah it could be a really amazing space because i would love to be able to say that i know what said every one of your followers every one of my followers we have an opportunity at the moment where we're buying this property and you can buy this percentage of it and buy into because not only do you get to see the journey, but you get to be involved in ownership from an earlier stage. I think if you can do that, definitely let me know and I'll let everybody know about the opportunities that um, are potentially going to be available to them. So I think crowdfunding Fantastic. in the health sector, so not high net worth individuals, is a yes. really good way to let more people get involved in investing in property from an earlier stage. Final question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go before they start doing random gardening again or random building a <laughs> neighbor's garden. Um, What's your favorite project you've worked on to date? Favorite project? Um, there's, so firstly, I, I tend not to be on site very much. You don't see me that often on site managing. Or just I'm like very, I, to deliver yeah, I, I built up a great team, so they tend to take care of a lot of the stuff. I really enjoyed doing the first new build that we did because that was something I'd never done before. It was experience of creating something out of the ground. So that was just kind of mind-blowing in the sense that actually we've been able to do this and that we yeah. hadn't done before but every every uh, time we we turn a property around like whether it's a flip or a, a hmo um mm -hmm. that we're keeping we we try and improve we try and add more to it improve it make it better so every time we finish one i, I like to step back and think that's the best that we've done so far so uh i like to try and give everyone our best possible what was that? Was that a house or was that flats, the new building? Uh, so, house, uh, so, house, uh, so, what, so what we built, that was houses. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. Nice. yeah. Um, and so uh, it was four houses. We built four houses on a, a plot. They're about 500 grand each, uh, uh, four bedroom detached houses. Nice, nice, nice. Well, I'm sure they'll be somewhere. Where can people find those? Are they on, are they on your YouTube? They're sold. They're gone. <laughs> Wait, did they, in terms of just pictures of them? Oh, yeah. Of... On, my, on my YouTube channel, there, there's a number of videos. And the, some of the problems we've had, builders going lost and stuff, all that's on the channel. What's the YouTube channel called? Get the people in. <laughs> it's uh, just uh, find, uh, just either Google my name, Saj Hussain, or look for Der Saj Hussain. 
and you'll you'll find me. And I think you've had an issue recently as well. There's quite a few uh, fake yeah. accounts, so just be exactly. sure you're following the right one. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Well, I appreciate you coming on today again. Make sure you go and give Saj a follow on Instagram, but particularly on YouTube. He's got loads of great videos, loads of content there, loads of stuff that I watch and I learn from all the time, so I'm sure you guys will as well. Um, we're going to be back next Sunday again for another episode of Ask Somebody Else. If you're just catching this, um, we're going to save it for the Instagram, but it's also going to go on the YouTube down the line. And I'm sure at some point, I'm going to be a better Londoner and actually venture out of London up to the Midlands and meet Saj in person. So I'm we're sure. definitely going to. We tried before. It didn't quite happen, but we'll make it happen. Exactly. Thank you so All much right. for the invite. I really appreciate no it. Thank you. See you, brother. Take care. Bye, Bye now.